Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what's in store for them today? Yeah, so Adam, today we're wrapping up um, a conversation we've been having with Todd Wagner, our senior pastor and JP, our campus pastor at the Dallas campus at Watermark. And we've already covered seven ideas to lead your staff. And today we're going to talk about three more, uh, which are really, really good. So let's listen in and then uh, you and I will come back with some closing comments. Okay, guys, so we're going to go through these last few here on this list. A big issue for a lot of leaders out there of any organization, but especially in churches, is how to develop leaders. So one of the next ideas we want to talk about is developing leaders through delegation and observation. JP, what would you say about that? Yeah, I think leadership around here is uh, something I've heard said is it's caught, not taught. And there's that quadrant that you move through where it's, hey, I do it, you watch, we do it together. Uh, you do it, I watch, now you go do it. I think we informally practice that here, and uh, uh, you know, Todd has led the charge in that. I liken him behind his back. I've talked about him like Mr. Miyagi, if you've seen Karate Kid 1, where he's like, hey, teach me karate, <laughs> and he's like, sand the floor, you know? And he's like, okay, I sand the floor, now teach me karate. He's like, all right, wax the car. And he's like, all right, wax the car, teach me karate now, paint the fence. And, uh, and then he kind of gets exasperated, like, when are you going to teach me karate? When are you going to teach me leadership? And it's like, and then you get thrown in this leadership uh, scenario. As you know, if you've seen the movie, he's learned karate by doing those things. You get thrown in these, this leadership scenario, and you know how to do it. You know how to lead in conflict resolution because you've seen it so many times. And uh, when I just had come on staff uh, a while ago, I like rode an elevator with Todd, and, and he was like, hey, I'm going to, to uh, meet with a family because I'm doing their funeral. Come with me. You know, and it was like, all right, clear the afternoon, jump in the car. And I mean, that I learned how to do a funeral that day. It wasn't I didn't read a book. I didn't take a class. You know, I didn't watch a YouTube video. I learned how to meet with a grieving family that day and and how to conduct a funeral eventually. And so that's that's how we do a lot of things, I, I think, around here. Well, listen, developing leadership is discipleship. That's all it is. And I, I, I mean, I was talking today to a leader of a seminary who was we were talking about the way to develop leaders for the future generations. And I just said, listen, man, we're talking about discipleship here. That that always drives me crazy when I hear about people who don't know how to develop leaders. They have a leadership vacuum in the church. I go, well, you've got a discipleship problem. You've got a, a purpose problem that everything you do is developing leaders. How do you develop leaders? Um, you're right. You develop leaders first and foremost, as you said, JP. It's 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 caught much more than taught. You got to have people with you. My favorite definition of discipleship. I've mentioned this in a previous podcast. I know is being with people that you love or are committed to loving. Well, you have in your heart what's on the heart of God. Okay, and so it's just come and be with me. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. All right, he invited his disciples to come and be with him. And so that means you also have to be a guy that is willing to let other people then do it, okay? And so I, I think what's scariest for leaders sometimes is if I let somebody do something, maybe I won't need to do it anymore, okay? But if you think of your job as a leader, my job is to get more people to do it. As soon as that guy is doing it, then you can start your job over somewhere else. But uh, everything that you do as a leader is for the purpose of helping people discover, develop, and deploy their gifts. And so that's that, that you said, the delegation observation. But you don't just, when, when you let them do it, I think what, what you, you know, you watch them. JP, that third step is really important when you said you, you do it for them, you do it with them, and then you watch them do it. You don't just watch them do it, you watch them do it and give active feedback. Yeah. And you help them and you sharpen them. And you don't just let them work without a net, okay? So one of the things I think each of you guys is outstanding at is 
um, the feedback loop. Okay, and so if you think about observation, observation is really no good other than they become a, a joke at a party about how what a wreck they were. Okay, the goal is to let somebody do it so you can talk behind their back about how poor it was. The goal is to watch them do it so you can say, "Hey, this was what worked. This is what you need to think through the next time you do it," and celebrate with them their successes, and you know, uh, really work with them on the areas that need to be improved, strengthen the weaknesses. So that observation piece isn't just watch them. It's work with them and then give them feedback and celebrate what worked there. It's good, which is really hard. I mean, it, it requires a lot of work uh, of leaders, and it's a lazy thing just to cut them loose and you know say good luck with that. Um, that takes a lot of intentionality, a lot of work. Tell, let me ask you a really candid question. So um, delegating um, is tough, I think, for leaders a lot of times because at the end of the day, if they're just honest, if the microphones are off, the cameras aren't running, they can do it better than the person they're delegating it to. They just, you know, they would, you would never say that publicly, but you kind of go, man, if I was in charge of that, I think I could do that a little bit better. And you're going to hand that off. So how do you factor that problem? How do you think about that um, as, as a leader? Well, you, A, you might be right. Okay. Let's just say you're That's right. Great. Okay. Um, I think that there's some, uh, some percentage of how well you can do it, that if somebody else can do it, uh, proportionate to that. So let's say they can do the job 80% as well as you, and that's going to give you a chance to go and develop others or go where somebody can do it 40% as well as you, where you can add a real resource. But if you always want to make sure that it's done, maybe not even 100% as well as you, but 100% like you, because most of us are arrogant enough to believe that like us is better than. And when you're in a position of power, that's the same thing. Okay. So what I would just say is you got to really be honest. And, and listen, I've had to learn this. I still don't get it right. Um, I, 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 at times, just kind of go back and go, dang, you know? I mean, yeah, Todd, maybe let's just say that was 10% better. I, I think what you did in making that thing 10% better is you cost yourself 30% of leadership development that, that really is your highest and best calling. And so you have to let other people in the right moments. And I think that's, that's part of the wisdom of mature leaders is that they, they know when to speak up. They know when to do it themselves. They know when to let others do it. They know the cost-benefit ratio. And look, don't beat yourself up too much because we're all going to make mistakes on this. But if you think it has to be done exactly like you, okay, or 90% as well as you do it, if someone else did it, you're probably wrong, and you're probably not using your leadership gifts in all the areas that you should. So sometimes you got to let the job be done well enough, okay? And I'm, I believe excellence honors God and inspires others. Okay, so I'm not talking about compromising excellence. I'm just saying, look, if excellence is doing the best you can with what you've got as a leader, what you've got is your people. And so you've got to let them do the best they can too with what they've got. And then give them feedback and go, that's good enough right there that I don't need to be present so I can go over here and develop others or deploy myself somewhere else. Really, really good. And I think, yeah, inadvertently in this drive for excellence, uh, a lot of times leaders can make themselves so... um, so much the linchpin that it ends up capping the ministry, and uh, and a way to a way to grow is to uh, involve others. So I think that's really good, Todd. Just kind of this intuitive, understand the acceptable margin of error. You still want it to be good, uh, but it doesn't have to be exactly the way you would do it. Uh, but but still in kind and um, let them. We as 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 everyone else did. You always developed by giving uh, and getting chances, and so just giving other people a chance to to grow in their gifts um, is part of leadership. So um, great. Let's go on to the next one uh, here. Um, this is interesting, JP. Uh, I think this one is yours. Don't hide what you don't do well. What do you mean by that? 
Yeah, I think uh, it's an anecdotal story. I I, um, I learned that we do this well. It marks our culture, really through the culture of another church. I was recently speaking somewhere, and when they reached out and they just said, hey, we um, we really value uh, flexibility. And uh, um, they said, we hold everything loosely, which was uh, an interpretation for a lot of times things change last minute. And they led with that to set my expectations. And, and I appreciated, um, you know, there's a part of that that's nerve wracking, but I appreciated that they led with that. And then when I thought about our own culture, I mean, there are things that, um, that mark us that, you know, uh, I know that we don't like a lot of drudgery. We don't like to create work for people. Uh, sometimes that means we're form adverse or um, uh, if there's, like Todd, I've heard you say, we don't have a an HR department, you know. <laughs> uh, don't like things a lot of times that are formal or um, that are just going to bring about unnecessary paperwork, th- those kinds of things. And so I will lead with that. And then the last thing about this we've talked about a lot here in this podcast is just something that marks this place is authenticity. It really is in the name of Watermark. It's a, it's a mark of authenticity, uh, a watermark in a in a hundred dollar bill is a mark of authenticity. If somebody's going to describe this place, they're going to talk about authenticity. And so I've seen the leadership do that, and from the stage, like, hey, this is uh, how I'm personally struggling, or this is how we're struggling right now, and just never hiding that, leading with that. I think uh, definitely marks the leadership here. So let me I'll comment on that the deal about the HR department. That that really is related to. I don't want to hide behind the fact that we have a culture here that doesn't treat each other as excellently as they should. So that 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 is maybe a negative perception of an HR department, right? Which is you got to go report your problem with your boss over there, or or you're not going to get all the um, the benefits you should get unless you fight for it and legally have them protected. That's really kind of what I I mean when I talk about that HR thing. Not that you don't really have to care about your greatest resource, which is humans. But but you know I, I I think part of the don't hide what you don't do well we we um, is is as you said JP that authenticity authenticity is not just talking about where you struggle authenticity is telling somebody else what they can do better and I think probably and I'll, I'll say this I know this is true of the porch and then Adam you know you're you're over now just everything that we kind of produce very publicly on the stage and John with our whole marriage team for a long long time I I, I think I saw it first. JP, the way that in the porch ministry, you guys don't allow each other to get through a message or uh, a, a ministry event without everybody speaking back into it. And and so p- part of this, which is really interesting, authenticity flows both ways. It's not just me telling you what uh, I'm scared to tell you. It's you telling me what I'm what you think I'm scared what, what was going to be scary to say. And you know that's that whole faithful are the wounds of a friend, sure. but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. And I, I think when you the real mark of of somebody loving you is when they can tell you, hey, I, I don't know if that went down the way you think it did, or I'll tell you how I think. As great as it was, it could have been, it could have moved from thirtyfold to sixtyfold to hundredfold, which is the goal, right? And if you present it to that as somebody, like instead of thinking of this is what you did wrong, I always, I do love. I think words matter. Hey, these are your strengths. These are some areas to strengthen. Okay, and um, and so I I I do think it's helpful when you go, hey, look, this is an area of growth that we need to put some focus on, so everybody knows that it gives people more courage. Like if I tell you I'm struggling with, um, you know, being on my iPhone too much, okay, yeah. it gives you more permission to go, hey, bro, yeah. let me help you. 
Okay. And so that that's an area where I think one of the reasons you don't hide what you don't do well is because it people will go, hey, it's an area that, that they want help in, and I'm committed as a friend to helping them. They'll make you better. Yeah. One of the things we say often is we're not great communicators or we don't pass on information as well as we could. And we don't, we don't hide that fact. We just kind of name it so that we can all uh, ask for clarification. We can all ask for communication. It doesn't give us an out. And we will say uh, repeatedly as things change and grow and get bigger, we're committed. We're committed to getting better at this. But it's not you know, kind of our A gift right now. So don't be surprised. Uh, give us grace. And then let's all make each other uh, better with this. But we're not going to pretend like uh, we're amazing at something that we're not. And uh, I think that's something that's marked us. Yeah. And John, I think that's really important what you said. Sometimes when people don't hide what they don't do well, it's kind of like, well, that's just Uncle Herman. You know how he is. That's not what we're talking about. So everybody knows that Uncle Herman is a racist or has an anger problem, right? Whatever it might be. I'm being, you know, uh, hyperbolic for, for the sake of ease of illustration. But sometimes, you know, like even with the flexibility thing, sometimes people go, yeah, we're real flexible here, meaning we're going to change the last minute, which is code for, hey, we all know we don't prep, prep well, and we all know that we don't go in and give our best, and because I don't work hard early, you got to do a lot late. That's not good, right. okay? That's not, that's not hiding what you don't do well. That's enabling it, okay? So, so make sure that uh, when, we, when we have those conversations, like, like you said about that, uh, you can almost sometimes have it, well, you know, there we go. There's another example. We don't communicate well. That's always our out. Okay, as opposed to saying, hey, listen, we're really focused and work on this. We're going to tighten our feedback loop. Uh, when we see it, we're going to acknowledge it, but we're going to also then right away follow the acknowledgement of it with a strategy to make it better. And, you know, I, I so I, I just think that, that make sure that in being honest about what you need to improve, you don't enable it. All right, last one. Lots that we can say on this one, but last idea to help you lead your staff is do not tolerate gossip. JP, how do you see this play out? Man, this is a um, this is maybe the biggest learning on staff um, in the past eleven years that I think is revolutionary. When I meet with other churches, and I've and even when I go somewhere else and I share this, I, people there's this there's this nervous laughter in the audience. But early on, uh, Todd instituted what has uh, now notoriously been called the twenty four hour rule. <laughs> and and what the twenty four hour rule is is if you say something about somebody to someone else, um, that person should respond, "Hey, have you told them that?" And if you haven't told them that, you now have twenty four hours to go and tell them that. Or uh, I'm you know um, out of love for you and for them, I'm going to go tell them. And so it just, it has squashed gossip. And I, when I've shared that other places, they laugh like, yeah, there's no way you actually do that. And they come straight from the scripture, Ephesians 4, do not let the sun set. And Matthew 5, leave your gift at the altar, run and be reconciled to your brother. Matthew 18, if your brother sins, go to him and tell him. And then we've invented this thing in Christendom uh, called venting. Like we vent to people, like we go and, hey, let me just let me just tell you, or it comes across as a prayer request and, hey, please pray for so-and-so because they really hurt me. And uh, and there's just this, this fresh idea that is biblical that, hey, if someone's hurt you or, or you're rotating the tape in your mind, go and talk to them. Don't talk to anybody else. And what I've heard Todd say is only talk to people who are part of the problem or a part of the solution. And what you're doing is you're widening the circle and you're bringing people into it. You're not going off on all these one-off conversations or these one-off phone calls. You're saying, hey, we need to get in a room and let's squash this right here. And that, as much as any other thing I can think of right now, has breathed so much health yep. uh, into this place. It's so funny. Um, JP, you said people laugh when you say that. Yeah. I can remember. So we... 
Pam and I stumbled into this church, you know, the first 10 weeks here. And Todd, you're, you're preaching a sermon. I don't remember any sermon from, you know, <laughs> last year. I can't, you know, I can't remember anything. But I remember Fighting to the Better End uh, yeah. was the title. And you were talking about everything that JP said. And so the first time I hear that, I'm, I'm sitting next to my wife, Pam, and I, I just kind of laugh. And, and then you keep talking, and I'm like, oh, he, he's serious. Like, he's, he's like really going to do this. And that fast, I turned from, huh, the, you know, interesting sermon to, I want to invest in a place where gossip is not tolerated. We're going to do everything that the scripture says, and we're not going to put some Christian, you know, excuse around um, not obeying the scriptures. Uh, we're going to do it in every area, including this one where this Christian, uh, you know, we're going to pray for this person as a form of gossip. There's all these different weird strategies we have for <laughs> gossip. And Todd, you just drove a stake in the ground and go, we will not be about that. And I just turned to my wife in the middle of that service and said, hey, babe, I want to, well, we're finished up seminary. I want to stick around here and see this play out because I don't have a model for this. And if, <laughs> if we can pull it off, man, I am all in. So I did laugh, JP. And with you, it's mm-hmm. been one of the most incredible uh, things about being a part of this body. So Todd, take it away. Practice this. If you're listening, yes. put this in practice. Well, Yeah. And it's so, again, I, I look back over some of the stuff we've talked about. I think almost both of the issues an episode ago and two of the three issues this time come back to some aspect of authenticity, which is just love. I mean, love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. When I tell somebody else what you did that was wrong, I'm almost celebrating it behind your back, okay? And and I, I think uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And man, if we need anything, we need friends. The world's going to beat us down. And so when we're doing things that are a beating in our life, why tell somebody else about it and go, I really want to help you. We talked start this whole episode off with about developing leaders through observation. I don't observe what you did so I can tell somebody else how lousy you are, lousy you are at it. I do it because I, I, I love you and I want to be involved in your life and I want to give you feedback on it. So, I mean, you guys are absolutely right. I, I Again, the reason so many of these things are passionate to me is I know that's how I've gotten better, is that I've had friends who didn't tell other people about my issues. They, they told me about my issues so I could address them. Uh, it's also a way just to undergird, uh, you know, just our own uh, leadership sometimes. One of the ways we make ourselves feel better is by tearing other people down. I, I try to tell my kids a lot, and again, I say things because I need to hear them, that you don't need to put out somebody else's candle to make yours shine brighter. And if my goal is to see Christ prosper, that means he's got to shine through everybody else. I don't need to talk about how Jesus isn't really great in you, Adam, so people think he's great in me. Because... You know, that's the other thing is you guys know this, right? But let me just tell you this if your dad didn't, that you know that people that are talking to you about other people's problems and behind their back to you are talking about you to others behind your back. Just count on it, okay? By the way, there's nothing I do in my relationships with others that makes people as uncomfortable as this, is that when somebody comes to me and they say something about somebody else, there's nothing that makes them as uncomfortable as when I go, hey, man, Listen, I think you must have shared that with me because you're struggling with what to do. Let me help you from God's word, what he would have you do with what you just shared. You need to go to person X that you just mentioned and share with them what you share with me. They go, I'm not going to do that. Go, okay, I understand it's scary, but I, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go get them and I'll bring them to you then. And they go, Wagner, you do that, I'll never tell you anything else. And to that, I would say, thank you. Okay, because I don't need to have my heart poisoned, okay, uh, by 
negative perceptions of other people. You know, like it says in Proverbs eighteen twenty two, it repeats it again in Proverbs twenty and eighteen eight, and it repeats it again in Proverbs twenty six twenty two. It says the words of a whisper are like a dainty morsel, so a tasty little treat. They go down to the innermost beings, right? So a donut hole is not a bad thing, but if you eat them all the time, you're going to carry a lot of excess weight, and your stomach's going to rot, and you're not going to be doing very well. And so all I would just say is I don't want somebody feed me a bunch of donut holes all the time. I mean, I do in my sin and my flesh. But when you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap destruction. It's going to destroy your ministry. Um, you know, look, all through the scriptures, this is, this is Proverbs 26, 20, and 21, which comes right before the dainty morsel ones. Listen, it's for a lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, contention quiets down. Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Man, you want to ruin your ministry, then you've got whisperers and contentious men who kindle strife. Uh, There is no greater sign of love than looking somebody in the eye and addressing an area that needs to be sharpened, not taking your tongue and wounding them by telling somebody else about an area that you got in your life. So, guys, I, I am grateful for the way that you model this for me, the way that you guys have each come to me, not with gossip, but with... uh goads to spur me on to love and good deeds because listen when, whenever you're a leader you're going to make mistakes okay and you know you've got people that love you when they tell you to your face what your mistakes are and don't just sit there in the coffee room and talk about what a beating it is to be with wagner okay um you know i've got an example this morning that uh just was not great and uh and you know i, I if i didn't beat other people to the punch i'm confident that others would have punched me in a loving way. And that's, that is the greatest thing as a leader, to have folks that aren't going to gossip about you, but are going to tell you the truth. So I would say this. It's important that we just do this point. Don't tolerate gossip in how you lead your staff, but I'll tell you this. You better encourage feedback. It's good. Well, and I think, you know, uh, Todd, one of the reasons people gossip is because they don't have any other outlet. Yes. And by that I mean like if I knew the senior the senior guy would never listen to me, my only my only outlet is to find someone else to uh, gossip to. And so, you know, if there's gossip going on, you're point, more John. you're more responsible probably than you even think. Um, and if if you were approachable, people would have other outlets. A lot of times I think that's assumed too. Uh, and what I mean by that, it's assumed that the senior leadership won't listen to me or doesn't want to hear. And if you're listening to this and and you're under a senior pastor, uh, you're under senior leadership, I would just encourage you to assume the best, trust the Holy Spirit's going to go before you, and with respect and humility, go and just say, hey, here's something that I saw you do that that um, that I don't think was God's best for you. Um, you know, do that with humility and and just assume the best. Because sometimes what I think can happen uh, through even when we gather church leaders is we can become that sounding board where they come. You know, I've been in young adult ministry for the past eleven years, and I'll meet with young adult leaders that'll say, "Man, my senior leadership X, Y, and Z. I mean, you wouldn't believe they wouldn't, and they're just not like yours. They wouldn't." And I'll and I'll follow up, "Man, have you talked to them? No way, I couldn't talk to them. No way." And it's like, well, it just Man. just try, give them the benefit of the doubt. So I, 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 all right. So that's a, that's exactly what you should say. Let me tell you what somebody in my position should say: is if you're concerned that people are forced to quote unquote gossip, which they're not. There's, I don't care what kind of jerk I am. You're never. There's never an excuse for you guys to sin. But but sometimes 
you know, I think a way I can help people is by going to them and saying, hey, man, you know, like David said in Psalm 141, let the righteous smite me in kindness and reprove me. It is oil upon my head. Don't let me refuse it. I think to go to your team and go, hey, listen, if you were going to tell somebody else something that discouraged you about me, I mean, take a guy to lunch, you know, and maybe don't surprise him. Say, this is the one thing I want you to tell me at lunch. And if you don't have anything, spare me having to buy you lunch. Just, okay? But I'm telling you, if you were going to go to lunch with somebody else and talk behind my back, what would you say? Okay? And and feel free to encourage me. This is what I say behind your back, how great you are. But this is, this is something I might have you prayerfully consider. And by the way, if you've got a leader that doesn't, uh, you know, just, just putting the other shoe on now for a second, if you're like, I can't tell my leader, I'll get fired. Well, good. That's your job to get fired. Okay? It's your job to have the king behead you. Okay? If, if, if your service to the king is telling him the truth. So all I would say, I don't really knew, know if Nathan was sure that David was going to receive what he said, but Nathan had a job. So uh, it, it, is, it is a loving thing, okay? The, if people are talking behind my back about what a great job I do, that's not gossip. But if you're telling somebody else what you should tell me because you think I'm a king that's going to behead you, God doesn't give you an out for that. Okay, he just calls you uh, an unfaithful prophet. All right, and uh, I don't want to be unfaithful in my role. So go ahead and get beheaded, move to glory. And by glory, I mean maybe you get out underneath a godless leader that God's going to judge eventually anyway. Why would you want to continue to invest in that ministry? Go to them humbly, ask their forgiveness that for a long time you have loved your position and comfort more than them. And that these are things that you have either never said to anybody that you should have said to him or you've been saying to everybody else and not them. And humble yourself. And then let God do what he's going to do. Be his man. Okay, so develop leaders through delegation and observation. Don't hide what you don't do well. And do not tolerate gossip. John, any final comments on these before we wrap up? Yeah, well, it's, all these are so fantastic. And, and I would just say whatever uh, sphere of influence you have, do these. And and maybe you can't, you know, all the way to the top um, – uh, live all these out, but in your own area, don't tolerate gossip. In in your own area, don't don't hide whatever it is that you don't uh, do well. And, and in your own area of, of leadership, make sure that you're delegating. Make sure that you're giving feedback. Make sure that you're allowing others to develop and deploy their gifts and getting the joy uh, of doing ministry wherever you are. This isn't just the senior pastor's job. This is everybody's job. So do this uh, at whatever level you can. That's great. Well, if you guys have any questions or comments on today's episode, feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at CLP at watermark.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all again next time.